This is a podcast from Rep Sounds, the online platform from Dundee Rep and Scottish Dance Theatre. Hello and welcome to Rep Sounds. Uh, this is our exciting new podcast series from Dundee Rep and Scottish Dance Theatre. My name is Andrew Panton. I'm Artistic Director here at the Rep and we've made it to episode four. So someone must be listening. Go figure. Um, this is very exciting. I'm pleased to be joined today by members of the team who are working on The, the Bookies, our, our new show, our new ensemble show that's going to be opening later this week. I'm joined today by director Sally Reid, writer Joe McCann, and cast members Ewan Donald, Barry Hunter, Irene McDougall, and Benjamin Asugo. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Rep Sounds. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. You might have to pick Hi. your mics up. Sorry we don't have stands. It's Hi. like, you know, we're slumming it today. You could have to <laughs> hold it, Benji. Yeah. Is um, it working? <laughs> it's, uh, it's great to be here. And thanks to Alistair for doing the, the, the honours on sound today. Um, thanks, he's going to all sound wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, cheers. Um, it would be great. So The Bookies, a uh, brand new play from uh, Joe McCann and Mikey Burnett. Joe, I'm going to come to you first. Where did the idea for this come from? We spoke probably in the first time about it, maybe 18 months ago, but where did the first idea for this show come from? <laughs> oh, a long story. Uh, so the idea was, it was originally a sitcom, uh, The Bookies. Uh, it was a pilot uh, for TV. So we sent it to our lecturer at uni. He loved it. And he's like, but there's too, many, there's too much swearing in this, uh, in this script. Uh, then we, it got into the hands of an agent. And I don't know why, but she liked it. And she sent it to the comedy unit. And Gavin Smith, and he was like, yeah, there's too much swearing in it. But he liked the script. And then last year, we were thinking about doing a, a story again. And we thought, OK, we'll do The Bookies. And, uh, this time it'll be a stage play, and uh, yeah, we we pitched you, Andrew, as you know, and you were kind enough to to commission us. So thank you so much. <laughs> and I think I said I wanted more swearing, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said there's not there's not enough swearing in this. If I'd known that story, I would have said that. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just thinking. The, the, he said there's too much swearing, and uh, how have you changed it? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> For stage, it's okay. For TV, it's never, it's never getting on right. This and so it's, it's interesting you, you write together with Mikey. Um, you quite often find writing partnerships if there's, like, if there's music or if there's songs or there's other things, but writing uh, plays together, that's interesting. TV, I suppose, actually, that's more yep. usual. How does that work? Uh, well, I mean, we obviously write our own scripts too, our own solo projects, but in terms of we just we divide the, the workload and... We write during the day, we get together at night and read the script and see what we have. And we're very honest with each other. If Mikey doesn't like something, he'll tell me. If I don't like something, I'll tell him. And that's how the process works. So we write together, but independently, if that makes sense. So we don't write in the same room. We'll write in, and we just get together on Zoom at, uh, at night and read what we have for the day. So, And, um, and Mikey worked in a bookies, right? He still does, yeah. He, he still works does. In bookies, yeah. So he's got that kind of first-hand knowledge of the yeah. of the subject area. That was that was that useful. And did he give you notes when you started writing? Saying, "No, that's not that's not." What yeah, of course, yeah. He, sometimes he was like, "Yeah, this is not how it would work in a bookies," and definitely a big help. I mean, for the technical point of view, what goes on in a shop, and obviously he's a great writer too, so that helps a lot. So. In terms of the inspiration for the piece and the story, though, where did that come? So you had the you had the context, you had the environment. You knew you wanted to write a show. Uh, or rather, at that point, an idea of setting the bookies. What about the actual storyline of it? What were your inspirations? Are there any particular writers that you key into, or kind of moods, or? Well, uh, well David Marmot, uh, Neil LeBute, uh, Gregory Bark, 
Me and Mikey love a play called Chinese Coffee, which no one knows this play. I don't know if you guys know it by either Lewis. It's just about two like failed writers who spend the night having an argument in New York City in the 80s. And it's such a beautiful play. You know, Al Pacino was in the original run and he adapted it into a film, but it's just about two failed writers. But the dialogue is amazing. It's probably better than Mama and Labute. And so in terms of the story, some of the elements of this script were in that first sitcom. I won't say what they are, because otherwise... Can I ruin it for the audience? I don't know. By this stage, they might have seen the play, or... I'm I think, not sure. Uh, what I would say is, say what you want, and we'll cut out any spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't I won't, uh, I won't. ruin it for them then. But yeah, some of the elements in that original sitcom uh, a pilot were, are in this play now, so... And then the next bit of the process, I suppose, once we start getting into um, kind of drafts and things like that, Sally, what were your thoughts when you first read it? Yeah, so I didn't realise that it was a sitcom idea before I read it. So I read it sort of maybe about six, seven months ago and totally coming to it fresh, having never stepped in a bookies before in my life, I don't think. Um, maybe the odd Grand National Day. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to come to it fresh and I loved the dialogue first and foremost, just the way that they all interacted with each other and it, the, the workplace environment of it was really interesting to me, that it could be anywhere and it was just the workplace politics and social politics around that um, as well. So then it became super exciting to think about the bookies and what that meant for it as well. So. And, and how does that work? What, what, at what stage do you start to think about how the piece looks or obviously working with other collaborators? Kenny Miller, who's designed the show, Lizzie Powell, um, doing the lighting, uh, Naroshni Number, who's doing the sound design. What, what, what point in the process do you start to bring in other collaborators? So, um, obviously, so we've got an, a, a naturalistic real shop that quite a lot of the action takes place, but then we also go to an otherworldly place, um, a bit of magic realism. So certainly it needed um, creatives with imagination to take the audience there. Um, the gift of it being set in a bookies and having screens, um, you know, the screens of the machines, there's a lot of screens inside a bookies shop showing I think the bookies that I went into, there was 12 screens showing constant sport, constant adverts, constant noise and images. So that was a real gift to sort of go, OK, let's um, use that in our real world. But also, how can we use that when we take the audience to this other um, magic world? <laughs> and so that, was that a key thought from the off then that, you know, talking to Laura, who's, who's done the video design, that was needed to be a key component of the show? Yeah, yeah. And at first, the, I don't, the magic place that we go to, how do you do that um, live on stage with the actors? But then straight away, I, th I thought about it, um, you know, just using the actors and trying to create that um, magic place live. But having those screens just felt like you had to go there. And the first conversation I had with Laura, the, the AV designer, she was just really excited about doing doing that and doing the real uh, the real bookies world and also smashing that with this other world. 
like that smashing that and having seen the dress rehearsal you do feel smashed into these oh, worlds and good. you kind of arrive in them yeah. Yeah, yeah and then with kenny miller the designer to certainly have the real world bookies with this other element attached to it so our design is real with this epic landscape above it which teases the audience to where they're maybe going to go what was that like to see that, uh, Joe, when you first went into the theatre and you saw the design? Because obviously you write these, um, I mean, some of the, the stage directions are quite uh, surreal, reading the beginning of it too, trying not to say too much. But what was that like seeing these bonkers ideas that you've just had just, but you've, in a stage direction, you've written in a stage direction and then suddenly they're real in front of you. What did that feel like? Uh, it was surreal. It was, it was weird watching the whole thing from start to finish, to be honest. But that moment was definitely very surreal. Uh, and it wasn't what... I expected it was it was amazing they've done an amazing job with it and I remember when we originally pitched it that was one of the things we talked about remember and you were like wow that sounds great they like this this idea of, of what happens and uh but yeah it was it was unreal to see it, it was yeah I'm still in, in shock a little bit <laughs> I, th I think my note is always like write write what you want to happen and, and let someone else worry about how that works, yeah. how that happens. Yeah, I can say that when I'm not directing it. I was like, write what you want, let someone else worry about that. That's what's exciting about seeing something like that written down and then then working it out. It's, um, yeah, scratching your head and trying to work it out. Yeah, that's that's the fun bit, isn't it? And yeah. also, the, the, I think the fun is also not trying to always do it by yourself. That's why you have creative team collaborators, isn't it? And specialists in different areas and say, well, actually, leave that with me because I'm th that might be my bit that might be sound or that might be like and and you know then you come back together and people are constantly solving these creative challenges yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's part of the fun isn't it you and you play a character called pat who's been who's worked in the bookies for quite quite a number of years i'm guessing that's not something you have in your in your backstory so how do you go about uh researching that how does that how does that work I do you research it well <laughs> I, I went to speak to uh, mikey i went to his workplace, I went to the bookies in Castorfin where he works one Friday. I actually went in and Ashley, who's mentioned in, was was there. I think it was Ashley anyway. We Ashley on the Castorfin show. She was uh, she was in there and she wanted to be back later. And I was kind of like, I was like, I've only been at like my dad goes into the bookies every day, and I used to go in when I was younger, and it was always like, what are they doing in here? Do you know? So I, I basically spent about an hour and a half with Mikey, just asking loads of questions, being a little bit annoying. And and then, but he was really great. It just kind of made me a cup of tea. I was expecting a cup of tea, to be <laughs> honest. You know? uh, he made me a cup of tea. And just getting a feel of the place and kind of going, you know, um, I, I like kind of doing a bit of sort of background stuff on it. And um, I think with this character, like straight off, even reading it last year when we did the Zoom meeting, kind of heightened front-footed characters like this, yeah, I don't know, you, I, I feel I can sort of access them a wee bit more. I don't know, just you can sort of, there's so much more to play, I guess, um, and find, and they're great fun, and he's he's a fun character to play because he's exhausting. <laughs> um, but I think it's all really in, in the words, really, uh, and and then filling in the gaps in between with, you know, what did I do here? What would he do here? Stuff like that. But I'm kind of, we're, we're figuring that out as we're going along, yeah. It's, it's an interesting character because uh, Sally and I were talking about Pat the other day and we were just saying he's one of these 
characters that you you do really like, but you know you probably shouldn't. <laughs> so it's a real mixed emotion. He is fun, but he says a lot of things that are well dodged and yeah. really things that are you know they shouldn't be saying and make you feel negative towards him. But something about him is is attractive. Would you yeah, agree? yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely on the edge here. It, it does remind me of one of those sort of office type characters, yeah. sitcom office. You know that. Um, where you just kind of go, don't, don't say that, just don't, don't do that, you know. But he, he's not got any filter, really. He's just kind of like he just, he just says it, and yeah. But I, I think in a way you have to find a sort of, you have to find something to like in there, a bit of vulnerability in him. So I've, I think I'm, I'm trying to do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not completely hated. You know? And he, but I mean, he does wind up some of the other uh, characters in the play something awful. Irene, the character that you play, Michelle. It, I need. Mean, it's quite a bit of a kind of a love hate relationship, isn't it? There's, there's, there's backstory there. It's oh, fair to hate, say. Hate hate it? relationship. No, no, yeah, no. It's yeah. a love hate relationship. Um, there is a backstory, but I mean, uh, I suppose at the end of the day, I mean, I, I was just thinking when you were talking there. Ewan, I mean, he wouldn't, he doesn't fit in with the woke culture these days. Uh, he just would be shut down, shut down, shut down completely. But um, uh, yeah, it's, I think I find the first act really interesting because it is like suddenly you go on stage and you think you're going to just act with someone, but it's not really like that. It's a bit like kind of standing in front of a, a train that's going really, really fast. And then, and then suddenly you're, you know, you're at the end of the scene. It is quite... It's quite interesting, less so for the second act, because I kind of drive a little bit more in the second act. But the first act, when I go on, I'm not on for as long as the others are in the first act, but Ewan just drives it the whole time. And it is kind of quite um, discombobulating, one of my favourite And it's quite interesting, because your character has a specific thing to do when she gets in there, but she just can't. And it takes forever. Trains coming towards her. Trains coming towards her, and she just can't. Doesn't get round to it. He's the ultimate kind of like, and another thing, and another thing. (laughs) It's really, I love watching somebody else get wound up on stage. It's a very, very funny, funny scene. You just go, yes. (laughs) And and Benji, you're the kind of what would you call your character? The kind of the novice, the apprentice. Would that Mm, be right? He's not been at it as long, and he's yeah. He sort of has Pat as his boss. It's kind of like the what we're talking about. The office is kind of like the gym, Halpert. You know, he's maybe been there for a little bit, but he's kind of of another world, wants to go somewhere else and has to deal with Pat and all his fun games. <laughs> yeah, he's dealing with Pat's baggage, isn't he, rather than his own? Yeah, well, he is a character that he's a young guy and he's very curious about the world. He's not jaded about the bookies and he wants to find out about, you know, even Pat and all his problems, wants to find out what makes him tick and about Harry, who's the the main customer of the bookies. <laughs> um, yeah, wants wants to make, make this work situation as uh, fulfilling as it can be. Yeah. He's a glass half full kind of guy. Definitely a glass, glass, but this, you know, the glass, as with any glass, Half full people, I believe there's a massive terror, a dread beneath <laughs> that, which is, you know, kind of what I'm like as a person <laughs> as well. So you can bring a fair amount of yourself to the, to the character. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, so you mentioned um, Barry's character there, Benji. Harry is the character you play, Barry, isn't it? He's a Indeed. sort of professional 
Uh, gambler, would you say if that's a thing? Um, an enthusiastic, enthusiastic gambler. Sure <laughs> uh, he, yeah. he'll, he'll take that professional gambler. Uh, professional gambler, yeah. <laughs> uh, just yeah, just through through his own uh, personal and professional circumstances, he's ended up not being able to do the job he has always done as an adult, and kind of lost his direction in life. Uh, has access to a now dwindling amount of money, um, and um, has ended up. In my head, going across the road. I, I think Harry just lives across the road. Um, it's the closest I, one in it. It's got to be the it closest has, one. Absolutely, yeah. Because he's, you know, he's he's been invalided out of uh, out of his workplace, uh, so he can't travel too far. But he's over there and uh, just, you know, going back to uh, the bank and getting the next lot of. Uh, money to put into these machines, and uh, it's a, it's pretty much a one-way street as far as that's concerned. There's little wins along the way, but it's mostly losses, and uh, that's kind of that's Harry's rather tragic life at this point in time. And you know, you were saying someone said that he was uh, one of the only customers in it. You know, I'd be surprised if you see another one. Um, but you know, uh, you need to come along and find out. You know, who else may tap up? I'm still trying to convince Sally Reid actually just to pop in, sort of like Alfred Hitchcock and just be a punter at some point. I, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy crossover. Yeah. And, and you talked about feeding the machines. So it's, it's, it's quite specific. And this was a learning curve that I went on when we first started talking about the piece. It's the FOB machines, F-O-B-T. Yeah, fixed odd betting terminal, uh, I believe. Uh, and these are machines that are now in 2022. They have actually been capped as concerns how much you can... You can bet on one individual spin, if you like. But prior to 2018, I think it was, before the legislation came in, uh, you could be you could be spending £100 a spin just like that and losing £100 a spin as a result of that. So, I mean, and that's a big thrust of the play, really, in that respect, the, the fact that these machines are ruinous uh, to people who are not in control of their, of their, their betting um What's the word I'm looking for? Well, addiction is is certainly the case in in this case. And I think Joe and Mikey have certainly made it clear that the um, uh, the betting shops themselves and uh, uh, have a great responsibility towards that. In a sense that kind of they were sort of in denial as much as any as much as any gamblers in denial. The the shops themselves were sort of in denial, consciously in denial that that this was um, damaging people. Oh, that's changed. Now, it's I think, a, I think it, the bookies is a very special, feels a very special place in society because there's some something between the workplace environment and the social ecosystem of um, our world, our society, and, and how, how we're allowing that to happen. Yeah, yeah people, yeah, gambling lives away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even just like something on the more casual and just going down and like, I don't know, you and Stad going down and just, you know, betting a few kid quid on the horses, you know. 50p football coupons. <laughs> open the exactly. But that's the thing. That's, that is my dad. Yeah. Uh, he is that guy. He goes 50p's, pounds and sees. He's kind of, you know, he goes every day, but he's kind of, he's absolutely capped at, at that and small wins and stuff, but he enjoys it, so. Um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy this. <laughs> you recognise. <laughs> there's, there's something about that that word. I think you used the word denial there. That that, that um, there's there's a there's a knowledge 
that this is not okay but until someone intervenes um legally it kind of it reminds me a little bit of smoking i suppose it's only relatively recently we've actually kind of really got in the way of of the you know nicotine addiction as well i think as soon as you bring profit into something as soon as there's massive massive amounts of money i think it's it's a problem society always has this problem um you know, and I mean, I, I know that um, there are steps still being taken and that will continue to be taken. Uh, but you certainly see lots of adverts for um, online gambling all the time. Uh, you know, and, and there is that kind of sort of sense that uh, you can you can um, opt out. Um, but I guess if you're a gambler, you're not going if you, I guess if you're addicted, you're you are not going to opt out. Yeah, so, and then people get themselves into trouble. Yeah. yeah. So. And was that something that you wanted to bring to the fore, Joe? When you yeah. and Mikey, was that was that part of the idea for this? You know, yeah, we wanted to tackle like the evil of the fob machines. So, like Mikey uh, knows Gregory Burke, and that was that was one of the big things with before we even pitched it. Like Mikey emailed Gregory Burke and said, "We have this idea for the bookies," and Gregory Burke was like, "Okay, as long as it's about the evils of the fobs, then you guys should go for it." And we're like, "Yeah, well, that's what we want to do." So, so yeah, I, we. I, I think that's. That's absolutely Pat's standpoint, is he's seen the destruction of people through these fobs, and he's seen it in front of him. And I think it's that kind of that, that push and pull of his kind of um, belief system, kind of going, "I work here, I'm letting this happen." And I think he kind of that's the thing he kind of really grapples with, but he doesn't really know how to sort of he doesn't know how to grapple with it. It's going on in front of him, and he's still working for this company but it, it he does express his views as a play well in the first half doesn't he yeah and that, that's like very character wise and just people wise mm. in the real world you know if you work in a place like a bookies and you kind of have to well, yeah. you know you gotta make a living and you know this people you have to make a living i mean and I, rep I represent the, the management of the uh, the company. And certainly um, uh, uh, Mike and Joe have written that I don't believe that it is our responsibility. It, they've definitely written that it is, um, it is entire. It, the people can give up gambling whenever they want to. It has nothing to do uh, with us. Yeah, you've we put just the things service. in place. Yeah. Um, the self-exclude leaflets are on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They're very. Um, they're, they're, they're not really present. The no. self-exclude leaflets. I noticed that when I went to your bookies as well. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, I mean, it's, uh, making it sound like it's just all about that. I mean, there's a lot more fun as well mm. to be had with it. But um, yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of the piece that is actually dealing with some pretty serious themes. But the the environment in which you're dealing with it is very much this kind of black comedy, slightly surreal at moments. And uh, interesting to hear your. You're the the writers that you admire because those those that kind of style is, is within it. Whereby you start in a naturalistic environment and then you can go somewhere really quite abstract within a few lines. And as an audience member, certainly my experience watching the dress rehearsal was that you're very happy to go there. You know, you're happy to be led there and and will go because you've created a world that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, and it obviously helps with the work Sally's done and the cast have done. That it's, it's believable, you know. Because we we were always worried about this. Well, not worried about the scene. Uh, the surreal moment, but but they, you guys sell it brilliantly. So, but yeah, uh, we we hope there's some humour in the play. We think it's it's quite funny, and hopefully people laugh when they come and see it. Oh, there is. I mean, <laughs> how many times I've heard it, and I still laugh out loud. Yeah. 
So that's good. <laughs> so, so are you looking forward to hearing other people laugh apart from Sally yeah. for the last four weeks? Yeah. <laughs> we're, um, it's an interesting point in the process, isn't, I think it is anyway. So we're, we're, we're at second dress. We've done two dresses now, right? You've got another dress this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then the first time that a, a public audience uh, meets the show, or rather the, the show meets its audience, is the evening first preview. What does that feel like? Can you tell us a little bit about, from maybe from everybody's slightly different perspectives, what this bit in the process feels like? I mean, I suppose what I'm thinking is that it's always a bit nerve-wracking. You're always a bit scared that first show. Confirmed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a funny feeling it's going to take us slightly by surprise tonight. Because um, uh, I got that from the, te- uh, the dress rehearsal yesterday. I kind of thought, all right, okay. So I think with a bigger audience, because there was quite a few people in yesterday just to dress rehearsal. It was still very small, obviously, but, you know, 20-odd people or something. And there was a lot of laughter, but it was quite... But but the thing is, because there was only 20 people, when there's more than 100 or something, yeah, I think it's going to be quite an interesting situation. Was that you, Alistair, providing the laughs at the dress rehearsal? (laughs) Only me. Only you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's it. There's always a point when... um, you know, people from the building were invited in yesterday, uh, staff. Um, there was about 20, 20 odd people. Creatives have seen it a few times now. Um, yeah, there was, so there was, a, there was a few new listening ears. And uh, they're all sitting individually. But as you say, collective laughter when people are sitting together push you to, to laugh out loud. But certainly sitting there and I was looking over, I could, and I was sitting beside Jean Sangster, our voice coach, and she was warm with not laughing out loud because she's sitting on her own but she had just like warmth towards it mm. so you go right okay this is good and then as you say the next step is yeah. more people sitting collectively laughing <laughs> I think there's always that thing as well where um you know along the, the process you, you sometimes have to remind yourself of the first time you read it the first time you heard certain things and things that were that are really funny but along the way you kind of obviously because you're just working at day 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 these things you kind of I certainly and I only speak for myself here but you kind of slightly take your eye off the ball sometimes and then you only are reminded that that oh god that's a funny line or a funny moment when an audience kind of spontaneously just explodes with laughter and you kind of go oh yeah, yeah, we must remember that and give it the space because sometimes you kind of truck through and, and beyond it. Uh, so it's it's nice. It was lovely yesterday just hearing some of the responses and kind of giving us a few little signposts along the way of where where some of those moments are at least. Um, and that's the beauty of previews, I think, as well because I sometimes wonder, well, talking to some people, audience members that love coming to previews because they feel that they are helping a stage of development in the show because they know that we're not saying it's ready by by note of preview. We're saying we're not quite ready yet. We need you to help us. And in some ways, a preview audience sometimes can be more vocal, don't you find? Because they know that they're helping the rhythm of the piece. And they get a cheaper ticket. <laughs> and they get a cheaper ticket. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, they do get cheaper <laughs> So you're saying preview audience are just tight, basically. <laughs> no, so they'll no, get we're what they're given. That. I'm thinking about the preview for Smile. Yeah. So our first preview for Smile... Was this is your previous hit at Dundee Rep? That yeah. was a ex player, ex Dundee United players event. Yeah, that was the first <laughs> time no it was in front of an audience. Yeah. there was four hundred and what's the capacity? Four four hundred and thirty yeah. Dundee United fans and ex players. 
Yeah. I mean... We were quite small in the mix, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we were, but it was it was joyous. But it was... And it was interesting just to go briefly on to that because about two weeks before that show opened, there was a, a sort of a night with, um, with Luggy, with Paul Sturrock. Uh, and we realised at that point, this will be very much what the audience makeup is for Smile. And at that point, we realised it's their night. So you have to work around that, you know, and there was moments, I mean, it won't happen, I don't think in this so much, but it was, it became very much a, a conversation between the stage and the audience, quite a lot of the, like, literally, uh, but, and yeah. It was amazing are, to see, it was only 50 minutes long, 55 minutes long, and they, how much they needed to have an extra pint during that. <laughs> during that, yes. And obviously maybe a couple of trips to get rid of some of those yeah. as well. But uh, fingers crossed that won't be the case with well, we've boobies. put an interval in this one. So that <laughs> yes, indeed. For, the, for that very reason. But isn't it lovely when an audience feels so empowered that they feel part of the world and they want to be vocal with it? And I suppose that's the dream, not maybe with every show, but a lot of the time you want an audience to feel so involved in the story and feel feel part of it. And, and, and to see themselves on stage. I mean, that's that's what we're all here for to make sure wherever possible that an audience member can see themselves on stage and, and relate what happens next so we previews and then tell us a little bit about the next stage in the process so two previews and then our opening night for me it's just letting letting a, we're, we're tweaking things as we go at this stage so it's letting all that embed itself in we're you know making sure that that light hits that point in the video and all that and it just the joy of seeing all those many things come together, yeah. So you'll it's make exciting. you'll make some changes when you have experienced it with an audience, maybe. Or I don't, I'm not sure. I don't. I, I don't think so. Also, I don't know. There's always that. Um, you you can do that. You've got. To, you've we've got time to do that. And make adjustments. And yeah, is that is that is that exciting, Jor, or is that scary? That that idea of kind of things will change a little bit. No, it, it's exciting. I think uh, the changes that have been made so far have been for the better. Like It's been great work and great script work. We had a, a great first week's rehearsal. Me and Mikey thought we were coming up for a holiday, basically, <laughs> that first week. <laughs> well, we were. And I, was, I told the story a few times. I, I fell asleep with my MacBook on my lap. I woke up. I was like, I was writing, you know. I was, <laughs> and I woke up and still I was writing the script and... Uh, I fell asleep a few times doing that. <laughs> we thought we were going to the pub for the week, but we, we definitely were. <laughs> but you didn't realise the taskmaster you had in Sally Reid. So yeah, exactly. Okay. Penny but, picky pants. Yeah. We thought the script is fine, it's good to go. And yeah. But. Why am I saying this line? Why? <laughs> Why? I think there's something in, in the beauty of what... Um, one of the things I felt when I first read it was it's, it, it's too long. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. then... But there's a joy in that as well, because you go, well, what is the, the, the juiciest bits that we can keep? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, there's some lovely pieces that we've that we've lost along the way. Yeah. But you'll see them in another play. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm writing. <laughs> um, so with that then, because we're, we're coming to the end of uh, this uh, episode of, of Rep Sounds, but maybe if I could just go round and ask everyone, maybe one aspiration for for the next, either the next bit of the journey of the bookies or maybe something that an audience might get from it, but just an aspiration you have. And it could be a personal thing, like just remembering your lines, but it could be as simple as that, but, but just uh, something that you would like uh, either for, for yourself or audience as a takeaway from the bookies when we open later this week. 
I would like, I'm looking forward to the audience experiencing these brilliant actors embody these brilliant characters and enjoy them and go on this crazy mad um, journey with them. I'm looking forward to, um, in my head, being able to keep up uh, with um, Pat. <laughs> Pat <laughs> the train that is Pat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as soon as Eileen does this, he goes, it's just about to say something, I know I've got to come in. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me. Go. Oh, you <laughs> swearing. You in, please. <laughs> I thought we were allowed to swear. <laughs> I, do, do, that's, I tell you what, a thing though, I'm, you can cut this out, but I'm going to do it. But um, so, because there is a good fair bit of swearing in here, and whenever you're doing that, it was back when I was doing Gagarin Way as well, you just ha can't help but swear all the time. So it was like, Romana, I'll have a f cup of tea, eh? cheers. And you're like, why do I need to put that in there? Like, there's no need. It Be becomes <laughs> like punctuation. <laughs> it really yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Sure bleep that out. Pat. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to, being able to keep up with them, um, to be able to keep up with uh, Ewan, yeah. Oh, it's hard work. <clears throat> for, for myself, I'm just, uh, my aspiration is to uh, remain open to the changes of the play and the character as it transforms throughout the week. Very good. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. There you go. You're, I'm you're impressed. Do, you're you're doing you well so far, Ben. <laughs> yeah. You really thought about that, didn't you? No, no, no. It just, just came to me. He's a, he's a professional, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about that. Uh, I, I, I just want the punters to have a good time and a good night with all the that's going on in the world just now, and and just like you know, just have a good time and kind of have a good laugh and then. Um, and for me, just to sort of yeah, remember the lines and 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 just kind of enjoy it. I think that's the thing because it's such a brilliant character and it's, it's so much fun um, interacting with other characters. And it's just we've done the hard work and and it's just kind of this is the enjoyable bit, you know, <laughs> when you kind of go, I know what I'm doing now, and I know I can see the through line, and just just doing that and enjoying it. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I can't say very much more because everyone's taken all my answers in advance. No, they haven't. Uh, but no, I mean, absolutely echoing all that. And also just, uh, I, I spend an awful lot of time on the stage when the play's happening around me. Uh, so I just aspire to kind of make sure that I'm there when I'm meant to be and say things when I'm meant to say them and not get slightly bamboozled and drawn into the world of the fob machine. Because you do, though, don't you? I really do. I'm, I'm watching this screen and there is quite a hypnotic kind of thing going on. Uh, so yes, my aspiration is to not be sucked into the machine. Good luck. Figuratively, mm -hmm. literally. I think for me, I'm looking forward to like working class audiences coming along and seeing people they might recognise and people who might speak like them and, and maybe come along to the theatre again after the bookies is hopefully a smash hit and <laughs> you you commissioned us again Andy for, yeah. for our next play I was thinking I was thinking you were going with a selfless but no it wasn't <laughs> okay, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So throw it back round again um, well thank you so much uh, that's that's the coming to the end of our of our Rep Sounds podcast for today um, thank you very much Sally Reid Joe McCann Ewan Donald Barry Hunter Aaron McDougall and Benji Asugo for joining us today. The Bookies is on here at Dundee Rip Theatre until Saturday the 21st of May. So do come and join us if this hasn't put you off. Uh, but right now, this is us signing off from Rip Sounds. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bye-bye.